Hi guys, I just want to hop on really quick before the episode started and give a trigger warning. We are going to talk about suicide, depression, and anxiety. There's a brief mention of eating disorders. We talk about miscarriage, toxic positivity, grief, and deconstruction from religion. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi all, and welcome back to Mindful Minds. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we're going to be talking about songwriting, but specifically songwriting and mental health and kind of discovering yourself through songwriting and through music and just creative expression. And we're going to be talking with Brie Gonzalez. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. (laughs) Brie and I have known each other for kind of a while. Yeah, I feel like at least... 2016 or so i don't know something sometime yeah because i was probably like 17 or 16 i think when mm-hmm. we met which yeah that was like seven seven years what year is it 2022 <laughs> 2022. right 2022 <laughs> i was i estimated yeah. over i was like it's 2023 it's not right so probably like yeah. probably six years or so um yeah. but brie has had the most like wild last year within songwriting and specifically like I know it sounds probably kind of goofy to call it fame, but like this, like kind of like, like TikTok explosion. Do you want to talk a little bit just about your background with music and how, how that whole thing got started? Sure. Yeah. I, um, it's only been the last couple of years. So 2020 when I made my TikTok. Um, and before that I, I've always done music stuff. So my parents did music when I was a kid um, my sister does a lot of like musical theater. And then um, I got in- involved in my show choir in high school. And then <laughs> I uh, joined a church, got involved in the worship team there. So I kind of never really saw myself doing anything other than music. But also, that's kind of the worst um, profession that you could decide is only for like, that's all you have in life because it's really difficult to do anything with it. Um, and so I, uh, in 2020, the pandemic came around. Actually, it was right before the full-on pandemic that I decided to make my TikTok. It was in February. So it's been two years exactly. Um, and I was like, you know what? I I write so much music that no one's ever heard before. I'm going to, like, this is the perfect platform for that. So I made a TikTok and I went a whole year without... <laughs> anything i had like i had slowly built like 200 followers on there and um yeah i just posted nobody saw anything ever it was like a handful of people at a time but i tried to stay optimistic for the most part and so my mindset was like oh well every time i post i get like three new followers and that's three people that never heard me before and they wouldn't have known about me otherwise so that's how i viewed it in my mind so uh february 2021 I was starting to wonder, like, is 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 it that people don't get my music or is it just bad? Like, maybe I'm just not that good. But I still liked doing it because I like writing music. So finally, in February 2021, um, I had a song kind of, I don't know, it's TikTok's weird with v- virality because on TikTok, viral is like over a million technically if you have like a million views on there. But above average for me is like a hundred thousand views. So I got well over that 
um, on this video. And then from there, it was like kind of steady progression until June. And then I had it like a video with over a million. And then, um, and then now it's the anniversary month of <laughs> making my TikTok and a video going viral. February seems to be a good month. So yeah, now here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just popped on TikTok to look and you have 55,000 followers on TikTok now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's is super wild. Kind of crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Which I know TikTok sure. is like, I think the because it's so all over the place, like I had mm-hmm. a similar thing. Like I've had a few videos go like, yeah, like dumb videos. And it's almost always like, um, you know, like some TV show that I like videoed and like it's not original content it's like me just like posting something (laughs) of someone else's and then that like will blow up a little bit Uh but then that's it that's not like it's not like I then get a whole bunch of followers from that because people actually want to follow my content because it's like some stupid unoriginal thing that like the rest of the videos are like my dog and it's like you know like who cares (laughs) so getting I think even getting that many followers and like having people really blow up like because I correct me if I'm wrong but wasn't the one that blew up pretty big to start off with that started a lot of this was the song about Marissa um it was one of the videos uh it was I think that video got me to somewhere around 20,000 followers or so okay. that was kind of do you of want to talk a little one. bit about that like that yeah that song specifically um yeah so that one I I had seen the original videos of um, this guy saying, Hey, there's, I need to find Marissa in New York city because I heard your friends talking about basically how they don't want to invite you to their uh, party. They're, they're doing it on the weekend. You're gone on purpose. And so she, they found the Marissa. It's like finding a needle in a haystack, but they found her. And um, she kind of started this whole no more lonely friends thing. Cause she's like, well, I clearly need new friends. Like let's all be friends. And she started doing meetups and I saw, I had followed her back when the original videos were posted, but I saw uh, a video of one of her meetups and I was like, wow, that is really neat. Like how cool is that? And I don't know why like the song just started coming into my head, but I was like, at first I wasn't going to post it because I was like, is that weird to sing? like?" <laughs> maybe we all be like Marissa. I don't know. I was like, this could be really great or she could think I'm really weird. So I'm just going to take a risk. I did it. And within six minutes or something crazy, she'd seen it and was like, Oh my gosh. And she duetted it, which brought people to my page. And, uh, it was really cool. It was really cool. Everybody received it really well. And they were like, yeah, this is our theme song now. And um, she had DM'd me privately and was like, what do you need for me to, f- for, what do you need from me for you to be able to finish the song? Like, I will literally pay you to finish the song. <laughs> and oh I was God, like, I, didn't I that. yeah, I was like, I need nothing. This is what I do. <laughs> I will just finish the song. Um, so I finished it, I sent it to her and I said, Hey, can you like, just f- even for me, you don't have to like share it with anyone. I just want to see your reaction. If you can film yourself listening to it for the first time. So she listened to it and was crying and um yeah i've got to release it and they've like people will just randomly play it at the meetups and they'll send me videos or tag me in videos of them playing it at their little picnic blanket <laughs> and it's really cool i i was 
really pleased with how that went. Cause I, cause there was no guarantee she would have seen it. You can tag people a million times oh, in the yeah, video, for sure. but especially with her level of attention on TikTok, you know, I didn't know if it would get lost in that. So yeah, I was, it was cool. It was a cool experience. Yeah. I think that was one of the first ones I saw of yours that like, I, cause I, I don't know if I followed you before that. Actually, I don't even know if I knew that you had a TikTok. I think that was when I started following you and I was like, oh, I know her. It's <laughs> like, a cool song. I also know her. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I did. I didn't um, uh, like advertise that I had TikTok. I oh, liked, dude. yeah, I, I liked, either. I liked that it was a place where I didn't feel like anybody owed me a like. And so yeah. I could, I could truly gauge how like people felt about what I was posting because all these people yeah. are strangers. So it was like, Oh, I, and I took it less personally. Cause when you know people and you're like, there's a lev- different level of expectation of their support for you. So if they don't mm-hmm. meet that, it's a bummer, but strangers yeah. like nobody cares. So I, I didn't take it personally. And so I just didn't tell people about my TikTok, and they, they would just find me and be like, Oh, cool. You're on here. So, yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way about TikTok because it feels a little bit anonymous. Mm-hmm. Like just a little even bit. Though, and I think, yeah, yeah even though it's way. totally not. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like I used to, no one try to find my TikTok, please. But I, at the very beginning <laughs> of the pandemic was hard into the dances just because I was like, this shit is boring. I have nothing to do with my life. Like I was in school. I didn't have a job. I moved back home with my parents and I like was scheduling out my day so that I wasn't losing my mind because like a lot of people were like way busier than they'd ever been because they had kids at home now and like all these different things. There was no school. And for me, it was like, I was 20 and or 21, just turned 21. And like sitting in my parent, my childhood bedroom after living at college, like got sent home from college. And so I would just sit there and like literally schedule out, like make TikTok coffee, watch the walking dead, like journal, do yoga, learn a TikTok dance. And like, that was like kind of my way of like moving my body and like getting a little bit of exercise and also just like having something active and fun to do. Right. But I I did not want anyone to find my TikTok because I was like, these dances are bad. <laughs> no one needs to see this. This is not something that needs to be publicized. So people, I blocked so many people who I don't dislike, but they found my TikTok and they followed me. And I was like, no, <laughs> you are not allowed into this space. Get out. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I definitely, I think a lot of people have kind of a, like an anonymous thing with it, especially at the beginning, like when you're, when you mm-hmm. first make an account, because a lot of times people who find your account are just random people that you don't know at all, who sometimes mm-hmm. will like start to be really nice followers and like leave comments on all your videos and be really sweet. And you're yeah. like, Oh, this is nice. Like these are just yeah. random people who actually like what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, um, it was, it was nerve wracking when I first, my first video introvert kind of blew up because I, I, I had like a 48 hour anxiety attack during when that happened because it was like, you know, I'm, I am an introvert. That's the song that blows up. And it was like this weird internal struggle of like, okay, I asked for, I definitely asked for this by posting it in the first place. But right. also I quickly reevaluated, do I even want this attention? Because it was a lot. And I also didn't understand at that time, like when people say, drop it on Spotify right now. Like they, they're just being kind. They're not actually pressuring you to do that. So I was, yeah. felt very pressured, but also along with that blowing up was all of these people that I know personally finding me and going, Oh mm. wow. How cool did you know? Oh my gosh. Like my friend is 
doing well on TikTok. And it was kind of weird because I write very vulnerable songs and, you know, it, I try not to filter myself too much in my songs because it's the only place I feel like I can really say what I think. And so, um, I was nervous about that. I was like, I don't want, I don't necessarily want everybody I know to know how I feel about certain things just because of, you know, I have to see them in person. <laughs> like I, yeah. I want to, I want There was, there was something really sacred about that time I had where n- nobody I knew was hearing what I was writing, only strangers. And now it's very different. <laughs> everybody hears. Yeah. But. Well, and with that being said, you talk a lot about mental health and write a lot about mental health. Was that kind of one of the things that made you feel like you were kind of exposed because it was something that was really like vulnerable and personal to you that you're writing about that now people that maybe you didn't want to know that you struggle with mental health, like now we're aware of it. Yes. And I think it had a lot to do with just sort of the environment I'd been in for so long where it was only it felt like mental health was only really talked about in the context of, but I've overcome it. And so mm. being able to talk about it, like, no, this is how I feel right now. And it's okay to talk about, it's not only just okay to feel that way. It's okay to talk about feeling that way while you right. feel that way. You don't have to right. wait to talk about things until you've overcome them. And so, um, yeah, I felt very much almost this like, weird sense like I was going to get in trouble or somebody was going to kind of scold me for like, oh, don't say that. You know, don't, I, I don't know how many times I heard that in my life. Just like, oh, don't speak that over your life quotes, you know? Mm. And it was like, no, this is actually happening to me though. I actually feel this way and it's okay to say it out loud. And I actually have to say it out loud or I'm going to go like crazy. I, I have to yeah. say it. Um. But being able to write it in a song makes it more palatable, I think, to people in some way, you know, and people also really relate to that. They like people who are also going through that go, wow, that's me too. Um, And, you know, I try to, I I find myself still thinking about that critique, I guess, in, in my head when I'm writing music, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say it that way. They might get this impression. And then I'm like, well, why not? Why can't you say it like that? So. Yeah, I it's it's hard to for me sometimes to like I'll I'll post a song and then immediately regret it and like have to restrain myself from deleting it because yeah. I don't really care if strangers hear me say that but I don't really want this person hearing me say it because, you know, and a lot of the things that I write stem from my personal experiences and I have a a, a big tendency of like people pleasing and not wanting to hurt people's feelings or not wanting people mm-hmm. to read into things I say. And so, yeah, it's, I'm always fighting with myself on that, but I feel like the growth has been in me doing it anyway. So, Yeah. Well, was it encouraging to you as well? Cause if, if you're growing up in an environment and you're living in an environment where you've got kind of the whole mindset of don't speak that into existence kind of a thing, even though it's already in existence <laughs> yeah. and that I'm sure was probably pretty isolating because part of the beauty of like talking about what you're going through is finding out that other people are going through the same thing and then being able to find community, which I think community is like one of the number one things that is, that helps people through mental health issues. Like my, my best decision 
in my mental health journey was finding a support group and like finding other people that I could sit there and like talk about and be really honest and vulnerable about the really crappy parts of the things that were going on in my head. So was that something that being able to post on like a social media platform and having strangers be like, Oh my God, I relate to this. Like, was that really freeing at the same time? Yeah. The, the community that has developed on TikTok for me, um, all stems from me writing authentically. So for example, like my song introvert, everybody that related was also an introvert. So I was getting comments like, Oh, I hope this goes viral for you, but only if you're comfortable. And it was just so sweet because they all get it. And so writing from an authentic place from the get go brought me people that understand and relate and don't expect anything of me that isn't that I haven't already presented to the world, you know, like everyone's so kind and just understanding because they go through it too. It's not like I originally wrote some bop that like has nothing to do with who I am. So people now have this expectation of me that doesn't really match me. Um, And that's why I only kind of wanted to write everything that felt true to me, you know, and I didn't want to risk like going viral for something that had nothing really to do with who I am. Um, and then that also gave me confidence within my relationships to to say like, yeah, look at all of these people f- who feel this way. Like this is valid. This is real. And it's not um, like a defect that we feel this way or that we experience these things. Um, and so whenever I would kind of hear like, oh, and anything implying that I write too many sad things. <laughs> it was kind of, it was just easier to shrug off because I was like, well, I mean, clearly the result of those sad songs is people feeling connected and like they're not alone, which is a good feeling. So it's not like the sad songs are having a sad effect on people. Like they're, they're feeling connected and like they have people that relate. So. Right. And I think there's so much of that in the music industry, especially towards women. <laughs> Of like, yeah. oh, you write too many sad songs. Like, this is all so depressing. And I think the thing is, is like, those are also the same people who you are honest about an experience. And they're the people that are like, oh, that's a downer. We don't need to talk about that right now. And it's like, mm-hmm. those are the people that you don't really want in your life. Like, it's dismissive yeah. and it's shaming and like, it makes you feel small and it's not a good feeling. And so that in my opinion, like when I see people do that to women specifically in like the music industry and like the first thing that my mind goes to is Taylor Swift of just like the Mm -hmm. massive amount of backlash that she's gotten for like sad breakup songs. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, yeah, but like she's also just literally writing her experiences. And I know there's a lot of, a little bit of a debate going on right now about like how, how far, what's your responsibility as an artist if you write about someone and then they get backlash, like how, how, where, where's the line there where you have to be like, take responsibility and like try to shut down death threats. Like where, where's the line? But at the same time, it's like, it, it is just your experience. Like Mm -hmm. I used to get a lot of crap from people about writing things on my blog and telling my own experiences about churches that I'd been to or schools that I attended or even talking about people who were abusive towards me. And like, I would get backlash about like, 
well, you're, t- you're talking about this on a public platform. And it's like, well, you know, it's my experience. <laughs> like it's y'all can talk about your yep. experience on a public platform if you'd like to like go for it. But it's, <laughs> I'm right. just telling my experience. That's all I can tell. Yeah. It's definitely a weird balance of like figuring that out. Like I, you know, I I write a lot of my songs in like metaphor sort of style where mm-hmm. I'm writing. It sounds like a breakup song and it's totally about like my experience with like relationships or, or church community. And, um, it's, I do that, I think for like several reasons. I, I, I don't want to like make people feel bad, (laughs) but I also like by, by kind of being more direct. Um, it's also just like, it makes for a great song to be metaphorical, but also a lot of it has to do with me sort of feeling like I don't really want to draw attention to the real source of it, you know? Um, which is, which is, is a weird place to be. And maybe that'll change for me as I write, maybe I'll get more direct, but as of right now, that's kind of how I cope with like, I need to say this, but I need to say, I want to say it in a way that won't, um, draw like a lot of attention to who I'm talking about. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And I've, it's been interesting to watch that kind of play out in public with like really mainstream artists like Taylor Swift or Olivia Rodrigo, like how they, um, how what they've written has affected the people they're writing about. And it's like very clear who they're writing about. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I feel like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of validity to that like response because the public isn't a part of that relationship. So, and because songwriters really do tend to, um, m- you know, I don't want to use the word embellish. I don't, I don't want it to sound like exaggerate because I think it's true to them, but like they, they, they create a song that works, that works as a whole like work, like a whole piece of art. Um, And so it's, you know, like I know that there's things I felt that are very like big, big feelings, but I also don't have any hard feelings still currently against certain people that I might write a song about. So if the whole public was like, oh, this person is horrible because of this, this song explains them to be horrible. It's like, well, I mean, you only have a piece of the picture, you know? Well, and you're also often writing, like I write poetry and a lot of the mm -hmm. poetry that I write is coming from the height of whatever feeling I was at. Cause Mm -hmm. that's, what's going to make it like relatable or sound good or whatever. And mm-hmm. or read well or, you know, and I think, you know, if you're if you're writing like a song or poetry or something and you're saying like, I kind of dislike this person, like it was a little bit rough. <laughs> it's like that doesn't really communicate too well. Like, so I think you're writing from like height of emotion and exactly your height of emotion was pretty intense. And, you know, like you said, big feelings at that moment in time doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that you're like still carrying those super big feelings around every time you think about that person, like you're writing from the height of your emotion. Right. Like I'm, I'm fully aware of just humanity in general. I give people a lot of grace because I would like it. Like if I mess up, if I act in a human way, I like would hope that I wouldn't be written off by everybody for one mistake. But at the same time, again, like you said, what makes a good song is those feelings, those like, when you were at the lowest or the highest or the happiest or the saddest, like those feel relatable to people because they're not, people don't always feel like they can say that they don't always feel. So when, when somebody writes a song, 
that they can blast in their car, then they're like, oh, it's like a, a sense of relief and an outlet for them. Right. Even so. when people write those songs about how they feel about themselves, you know what I mean? When it's mm-hmm. when it's like it's intrinsic and it's talking about how you even voicing something about um there's a song called um smaller by ooh I don't want to butcher it I want to say Haley Haley something I'm going to look it up cuz it is a really beautiful song and I don't want to just totally give credit to someone that like it's not <laughs> not their song um <laughs> Haley Jean Penner and it's a song about like eating disorders and it it voices all the things about like how I've felt about my body that like are really drastic thoughts that maybe I've never said out loud mm-hmm. and someone's saying them out loud. And I think something happens. There's a, like a duality to what happens when you hear that. Sometimes it's like, Oh, I really relate to that. And sometimes it's even like, Oh, how mean that I think about myself mm-hmm. that way. Cause if you hear it out loud and you hear someone say it out loud, it's like, Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> like, like yeah. oh, I hate that I think about myself that way. And so having someone voice it and having words be put to those thoughts in your head and having it be tangible, it even can yeah. kind of do the reverse where then you're giving more grace for yourself because you're seeing it and thinking, Oh, I have thought that about myself. That's really awful. And like, poor me. Like, that's not a nice thing to think about myself. And you can kind of backtrack exactly. a little bit. Right. Yeah, um, I have a song that I posted not too long ago, and it's like, I talk about, like, I can't be trusted is like the the hook of the song. And I would get comments like, oh, oh no, you can, you can be trusted, you can trust yourself. And it was just kind of funny, because I was like, no, I know, but like, this is, this is how I felt before, even if it's an like embellished version of how I felt before. Um, it feels so good to sometimes say the things we're never allowed to say in real life in through, through art you know and so like i just posted a a song i think it was the one i posted yesterday and um i say thinking about crying thinking about or thinking about crying wondering who's dying um but originally the lyric was thinking about crying thinking about dying Mm -hmm. which i changed because i i you can't put all of your nuance into like a 60 second blurb of a song and so for me, thinking about crying, thinking about dying was like, I, I think morbidly <laughs> about death all the time, but not yeah. in like a desire to die. But that sounds like a desire to die. So right. I was like, I don't want to trigger people and I don't want to like imply people. that I'm like being suicidal. Yeah. So I changed the lyric for that reason. But, it, you know, it, it's it's just making those little decisions when you're dealing with talking about mental health through song. Um, to make sure that you're not in, unintentionally. I know um, that was a big conversation with Billie Eilish when she had, I don't even remember what the song is called, but there, there's a song she had, was kind of dealing with the topic of suicide. And her mom was kind of like, are you sure you want to say this with your influence? You know what I mean? Like you don't ever know who will kind of romanticize or glorify that idea. Um, and I, I, totally get that especially because like writing about my mental health is a big source of material for me so um making sure i do it responsibly but also in a way that's authentic it's sometimes okay to say shocking things as long as it can't really be misinterpreted you know if people know what you're getting at then it works if they don't then that's where you start having trouble 
Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, Billy Eilish has started a great conversation around that too, because she's been very honest about the fact that she that thinks about suicide a lot. And like that's mm-hmm. something that she like really struggles with. And I think that I know you've talked about toxic positivity just on your personal social mm-hmm. media page and stuff, but I think that it being that real about how messy our minds can get, I think for some people is either too much because maybe their minds are also that messy and they don't want to acknowledge it and they want to mm-hmm. just pretend like everything's okay. Or maybe their minds aren't that messy and it's kind of frightening and off-putting because it's like, whoa, like, why are we thinking like that? And I think that yeah. for so long, there's kind of been this encouragement. And I think it's really only recently within maybe the past 10 years and a lot with social media where there has been more and more and more discussion about like, no, a lot of us think this way a lot of the time. Like this is kind of how our mm-hmm. heads are a lot. And I've, I've, especially with older generations, I've had conversations with people and expressed my mental health issues. And their like immediate reaction is like, Oh, we don't need to talk about that. Like, Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay. And and I do understand that the fear, I was just watching a video um, with Emma Watson, actually, and she was talking about um, that she understands people fearing things that they don't understand. Like she gets that. Mm-hmm. She gets the fear and the apprehension when you don't fully understand something. And I think that there's kind of this immediate reaction of like fear when people hear about something that they don't understand. But simultaneously, it's like if if so many of us are going through this and you shut someone down because you feel like it's too dark or too heavy, that's what their heads are like a lot. And so yeah. like imagine mm-hmm. what it's like to finally have the vulnerability and the courage to say, hey, this is actually what it's like in my head a lot of the time. And it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And for someone to be like, oh, like that's a lot. Like it's like, exactly. oh, yes, thank you. I know it's a lot. That's why I'm trying to talk about it. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you like exactly. being repulsed by my mental state is not, is not helpful. <laughs> help. Not help at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, it was like a, I knew there was going to be a before and after to my life when I started writing about like real things that I experienced yeah, and think yeah. and feel. Um, and, not even in the sense of like, oh, before I didn't have followers and now I have followers. Like I, even if I didn't gain any followers from it or any in type of influence in any way, I, I knew there was going to be a before and after because now I'm being real. Because before I was one of those people that was kind of like, oh, you know, like think on the bright side, you know, yeah. like always because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I thought that was a superior way of being. <laughs> and so, yeah, for um, sure. Even when I like I had I had a miscarriage in 2016, and I remember posting and <laughs> trying to frame it like I'm so strong mm. because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I wasn't. I was a mess. I was a mess. But I thought, oh, like this is the only thing that's, um, uh, I guess respected or admired. Right. Like it feels like that. It feels like when people have a positive or a strong reaction to tragedy, we go, wow, look at them. Like that's, that's something to aspire to for some reason, as if grief is like bad or, you know, less than and or even unnatural. And just, like grief is unnatural. Just, yeah. yeah it's, like it's just it's so normal. Happen. 
Yeah. And it's okay to be sad and it's okay to talk about being sad. And, and so, yeah, it was, it was interesting to wrap my mind around. Cause I think, you know, there's people, like you said, that have, um, they have the messy mind. They don't want to talk about it cause they don't want to deal with it. But I think along with that also is, um, them seeing somebody else who's willing to talk about it. And I know for me, it, it felt a little unfair. Like, why do you feel like you can talk about it? But I feel like when I talk about it, I get scolded and like, mm. you know what I mean? There, there was like a difference to it. There's like, like a, almost like an envy to it of like, oh, I wish I could do yeah. that. And I wish I was able to like have the freedom to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. So therefore I'm going to shut it down because I don't feel like I have the freedom to talk about it. Right. And giving myself permission to say how I feel about literally anything made me a more confident person. It made me like just accept things and and not just kind of go with the flow and um and that's really important in in loving yourself you know is yeah. accepting who you are and all the parts of who you are and the things that you struggle with it like me being more vulnerable and talking about things um is what led to an ADHD diagnosis i literally just got it, because my all the people commenting on my TikTok were like, this sounds like ADHD. Oh, I, I relate so much. I have ADHD. And it was like all of the comments on one like, of my songs. Oh. I was like, I should, <laughs> maybe I should look at this. Maybe investigate this. Um, <laughs> and sure enough. But um, yeah. And even with my marriage too, like just being able to be vulnerable about that. My husband is so supportive. Like, like every song that I write that I worry that I have like the remnants of worry from the past of how I would have felt like, Oh no, like, is, is, is he going to say like, he never said anything like that, but because of the environment I was in, I just assumed like saying things like very vulnerably would have somebody go, are you okay? Like, and over worry about me to where it felt like I'd done something wrong. Yeah. Um, And so he, I'm sometimes he'll still watch songs and I'm like nervously waiting. And I realized that that's like just an old habit that I have of being anxious when people hear something raw like that for the first time. And his reaction is always, that was so cool. Like that's such a cool song. And he, and that's, you know, <laughs> where it ends. And we might talk about like the source of it or whatever, but it's never like, don't feel like that. You shouldn't feel that way. So yeah. It's yeah. never it's, like shutting it down. And I think, yeah. And people, have, I think at this point, I'm not hearing that as much as I was like, I'm not getting random, like, Oh, this was really sad. Don't, don't say that yeah. about yourself because people just know, like, I'm not going to listen to that. That's they know now. So, yeah. Well, let's kind of, if you're, if you want to, we can maybe dive into a little bit mm-hmm. of your background. I like, I knew you as a worship leader. Like that's mm-hmm. how I knew you. Um. I was on a worship team with you very briefly, <laughs> very briefly, <laughs> um, very briefly. But um, what was like, how has this time in being able to branch out into quote unquote secular music of writing music that is just like expressing your feelings and not necessarily worship music. How has that impacted you? Like, did it, feel almost like wrong at the beginning? Like, did it feel like you were maybe taking a step that you shouldn't have? Yeah. It, it, it felt weird in the sense that I'd always, I'd always written songs that weren't worship songs my whole life, but this was the first time I was sharing them with right. people 
and you know, and cause I had briefly like written songs back in like, I mean, I don't know, like 2011 with a group of friends and we would go play them and sing them. But that was, it felt very like back in 2010, 2011, we didn't have sort of the social media presence that we have now. So it didn't right. feel like I was exposing myself to, when I did that. But, um, but I had released some worship songs in like 2018 and I felt a little weird about revealing, I guess, my songs that weren't worship just because I knew what I was writing would feel probably a little contradictory. And I think what I did in um, one of my worship songs is a song called Valley that I think people hear differently than I wrote it. Like they hear that when they hear the song, they're hearing it as a worship song. And when I wrote it, it was very much a masked sort of song. I was hiding a lot in that song. Um, and it, that song is me convincing myself. That song is me trying to convince myself of the things I'm saying. Mm. And it comes across very worshipful, but I, I was in a weird place. And so um, it was a weird decision too. When I actually started putting music again on Spotify, that was my, like my own stuff. Um, I, I had this weird decision of like, do I take that music down? I don't know mm. that I relate to that music right now. I don't know that um, all of it is authentic to me right now. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really know what to do. I ended up just making a separate artist account for it because I knew some people still listened to it and I didn't want to just take it away. Right. Um, so I made a separate artist account for it so it could still be there and exist in the world. But um, yeah, I, I was nervous because... I don't know. I, I knew that what I wanted to write, what I wanted to say was going to m- make people uncomfortable, certain people uncomfortable. And, right. Um, especially because a lot of, like I said, the songs I've written are metaphors about my experiences in the church and they're not all happy. <laughs> and <Yeah>. so, <laughs> um, you know, it, I, I am aware that I, I kind of, it was very abrupt for some people, my shift out of the church, my, you know, the end of my leading worship, I don't ever see myself doing that again. Um, and, and sometimes I say that and people think I'm saying it very pessimistically, like, oh, I don't think I'll ever do it again. And they're like, no, don't say that. Of course you will. And I'm like, no, no, you don't, you don't know what I mean. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm going to do that again. <laughs> That's so like you, a, a choice. stepped out of leading worship. Like you don't lead worship anymore. I, th- I think so. And I, I mean, I don't know. Like I, it's one of those things where I don't see myself really wanting to do it again. I had a lot of anxiety surrounding it every week. Um, I, I didn't at first. And then as the years went on, I gained so much anxiety. I would dread it every week I was scheduled to sing. I, it was the like, I, I, I don't really know how to put it into words. It was the worst thing. It was like, I can't believe I have to do this again this week. And that's a horrible mindset to have when you're doing right. something like that. Um, and I was kind of open about it. I like, I was getting like paid at one point um, to do it like, uh, like a small stipend. Um, And I actually like remember going in and being like, Hey, I, I think you don't have to pay me anymore. How about just don't even pay me anymore because I feel so much anxiety that I want more freedom to say no (laughs) when I want to. 
um, instead of feeling like some responsibility. And they were very kind about it. But I, I was like, yeah, don't even just keep your money and I'll just do it when I feel like doing <laughs> yeah. it. I don't want to feel um, like I like owe you guys this thing that yeah, I'm having exactly. a really hard time doing. Yeah. Um, so I stopped, which is, which was a weird place to be. Cause I remember a time when I was like, Oh, all I want to do is be a worship leader. That's all I want. I want, that's like, if I could do that for a living, I would be living the life. It got even a little bit close to it. And because of my own anxieties and the own, my own experiences and things I was going through behind the scenes, it was the worst thing ever. It was worse than I could, had ever thought it could be. So I just, yeah, I just kind of stepped back a little bit, tried or tried to. It's difficult when you're in an environment like that where you're people are used to depending on you. So you feel like yeah. you have to say yes and and help out. But yeah, I was really going through it. And so now that I'm writing my own stuff, I, I recently flew to Michigan to do a wedding. Um, somebody on TikTok had found me and said, Will you sing at my wedding? And I oh said, Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. And she had said I would, our, our teardrop analyst is one of our favorite songs and we'd love you to sing it at our wedding, which I thought was intriguing because it's such a sad song. Like it is not a, it's not like, like a wedding happy song. Yeah. Song. No. So I was like, you know what? Yes, I will do that. And, um, I went out there and I was expecting to feel all of that anxiety and dread. I was used to feeling from performing live mm. or singing live leading worship. And I didn't feel it. Like I was nervous. Yes. But it was, it was an excited nervous. I hadn't felt for so long because I was singing my own songs and my own words. And I wasn't having to live up to some belty worship leaders performance of a worship song. I wasn't having to kind of fake it till I make it. I was just singing my stuff with my voice that like, these are songs I wrote. So however I sing them is the right way to sing them. Right. And it was just like There's strange. I felt so much there. Yeah. I felt so good about it for the first time in a long time because I was fully expecting to just be anxious. And I did, I will admit, had it did have a, a panic attack on the flight home. But I think that had more to do with my lack of sleep than there. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, because I was very jet lagged. But yeah, it was it was cool to know that I can, cause I was nervous. I was like, I haven't sung live in front of people in over two years since before the pandemic. And what does that mean? Like, am I going to be a hot mess the first time I do it again? Am I going to be so shaky? I can't even sing. Like, what is that going to look like? And it was great. It was fine. And, um, it was good to know that I'm, I'm capable of it without yeah. dying on the inside, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and I would just, just the last episode I released, we talked a little bit about burnout and specifically burnout within churches. We talked a tiny bit about the fact that organizations and like churches, if you're giving them labor, a lot of the times free labor, they're probably mm -hmm. not going to tell you to stop. They're probably not going to be yeah. the ones to be like, hey, this might be too much. Like, mm -hmm. we've been asking a lot of you and you keep saying yes. Maybe you need to say no. And when I was yeah. really involved in the church, I had a period of time where I was six, 15, 16, and I was running, helping, literally helping put on, um, being like the maybe third or fourth person in command of conferences that hosted like 2,500 people. And mm -hmm. I was 15 
and I was unpaid. <laughs> I was like yeah. doing it by myself. <laughs> and I would stay at the church until one in the morning and help them plan things. Mm-hmm. And then I would get up and go to school the next day. And it was like, because I wanted to feel like I fit in and like I had a place and I had a purpose, like I wasn't going to say no. And there was no way they were going to tell me not to do it. Um, and I think that that... I think that's kind of a reflection on just a lot of corporations and organizations in general of when you're giving, when you're Mm -hmm. doing something that's benefiting them, it's pretty rare that they're going to be like, Hey, this is really beneficial for us, but it seems like it's not beneficial for you. Um, But then simultaneously, I'm curious because you've talked about, and this is a little of a touchy thing to get into, but you've talked about politics and society and over the last year of how the world has been. And how a lot of people have been very hateful and discriminatory and vengeful and just really awful towards other groups of people. I know you've talked Mm -hmm. about that and Christianity as a whole has not the best reputation with that. Like not necessarily Mm -hmm. like calling out specific churches, but just Christianity as a whole, like didn't get the best rep for, for being open and accepting was that something that felt um, contradictory? Like if you would get up and lead worship, did it, did it feel like, oh, I don't, am I representing something that maybe I don't entirely like align with? Yeah, I would say that was probably when I, when I finally had an opportunity to examine like the real source of my anxiety every week with leading worship, I would say that was probably the biggest source of it was feeling like I don't, I'm doing competing things like inside. Mm -hmm. I feel this way because I I had been feeling these things, had these views for many years, but was so afraid to fully voice them. Um, Because, you know, (laughs) it like everything that I was afraid would happen happened when I did. Um, The difference was I was ready for it. I had already known it was going to happen. And I had said, okay, I'm ready to like, to take on that. Like, craziness. So, um, yeah, when I would lead worship, it was this like, man, I know how we think about, you know, LGBTQ people at this church. I know how, I know what the stance is here and I'm leading worship at it. What does that say? And so I'm just having this like just insane, (laughs) you know, pre in the green room moment of just stress because I feel like I can't invite any of my LGBTQ friends here. I can't, I can't bring them here Mm -hmm. and feel like they're going to be safe or they're going to feel comfortable and safe. Um, and that was really important to me. And so I, yeah, that, that was a big source of my stress and my anxiety because I felt like I wasn't being true to myself, no matter how much I felt like, because growing up in the church, you're told what things are you're told this is how we treat people Mm -hmm. we should always be kind we don't do these things we do these things and there's so there's a lot of really good things in there yeah and so when you when you grow up and you're and that's your perception of things and then somebody says oh you know black lives matter or you know talks about racism in some way you think yeah like that that's that makes sense with what i thought we believe. And so the minute I found out that that didn't match with almost the majority of evangelical Christians view, I was 
perplexed. I was so confused because I was like, this is what you taught me. But when, when it's time to practically put it into, into real life, right? you're telling me the opposite. And I'm very confused. I don't, I cannot reconcile these things. And so it was hard because I, I led, I was a, a worship leader through all of that discovery and um, people who didn't know, they didn't know. They just thought I, I just, I was one of those Christians that just had like some progressive views on things. And it was, you know, there was a couple of us, there was a couple of us, you know, and it was always funny when we'd find each other. It was like, Oh, like I, I think I know. Um, But most people, it didn't feel that way. It was like, you could gauge very early on in conversations. And it was, it was strange because it's like, I, I don't, you can't underestimate how much church environments affect you and make you question yourself and wonder if you are right and wonder, you know, if, am I doing the right thing? And, um, find, I think what was crucial for me was finding a church or finding Christians primarily on social media who agreed and were able to help me separate myself from the environment I was in and go, no, you're not like losing it. You are normal these are normal like the the like this is human rights this is social justice these are things we should fight for and you can do it under the framework of this theology but you have but like these theologies don't work within this the- it was just a lot of learning yeah. um and so i yeah i i i definitely needed to step away in order to um kind of move on with my life and move on to the next chapter of my life where I'm able to fully say certain things, you know, my, like there is a desire there for that community I had for so long. And it's hard to shake that, especially like my grandfather was a pastor. This this for me goes from birth, you know? So yeah, like there's a desire to have that community, but I have all of my, um, my non-negotiables now. Like I'm I'm not going to go anywhere that, that treats people like this that isn't fully affirming that isn't you know whatever it is and it's it's really hard to find places like that yeah and so um yeah and I, even then i don't know if i'll lead worship again <laughs> you know like the, the the whole act of that is very stressful like i, I don't want to throw out the word triggering but it is it you know it feels yeah very stressful yeah no i think that's totally fair i i had a really similar experience with the, the community thing, I think is an across the board thing that a lot of people mourn and grieve is like, yeah, you go from having this like family that you see all the time that like you're, especially if you, especially if you are in like leadership or volunteer work, like you are there all the time. You're hanging out with these people mm-hmm. all the time. You hang out outside of church. Like the, the this is your crew. And then it's like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's gone. And that was something that I was yeah. not expecting. Like I, when I f- first spoke out about, cause I, I kind of started voicing some more progressive opinions, kind of started like, dropping them in here and there um, in mm-hmm. college. And then when I finally like made, I actually made like a public statement that I was no longer a Christian, not that I was just mm-hmm. um, taking a step away or that I was, you know, wanting to, uh, be able to voice and live out these viewpoints that I'd been hiding. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, I'm full blown. I'm, I'm opting out. And I did not expect to lose as many people as I did, but like I went from having like a, gr- a group of like five or six girl, best friends to like having one. <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. Ooh, <laughs> 
okay. Yeah. Like, and I also did it in the middle of a pandemic, which mm-hmm. I think adds to that. And I know that's when you start talking about a lot of things as well. And that's that adds to the mm-hmm. isolation of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, it was it was weird timing for sure. Yeah, uh, to decide to suddenly. <laughs> like say hey guys I've, yeah. i gotta be real this is how i feel yeah like um, i'm already isolated I, but also <laughs> now me, i'm gonna lose the majority of my community <laughs> like woohoo! yeah because like and i will say like i've maintained several friends in my life that um were like listen we just love you so much because it, it's you can sense when when it's like love and quotes you know and when it's real like hey like i just want you in my life and however we can make that work um because i i think there's a tendency especially with social media to kind of write off people's humanity um and so like there are people in these churches that um <laughs> truly just don't see it they don't understand why i feel the way i feel and i get that because how could i not it, it would be very hypocritical of me to um completely condemn people and say like, Oh, they're evil or they're malicious or whatever. When I, at one point was in that mindset, you know, for sure. Um, and I understand being in that mindset and I, I understand like I, there's certain conversations it's almost impossible to have because with them specifically, because I, I know exactly how the script goes. I know yeah. like what they say to this topic and what, what the person says back and what they say back. And, and so, um, but there's people that have been in my life that are like, listen, we don't really, you know, get it, but they're, they're exhibiting what I had hoped they would, which is just like letting me be me <laughs> and letting me live my life. And, and not writing me off for it. Other people, on the other hand, uh, just can't relate. It was it was really difficult for them to um, like see me say these things. It was like some sort of um, big plot twist to them. I think. Yeah. Um, and and so I got a lot of. It's so sad to see this happen. I'm so sad you were led astray. I'm, oh. I, you know, I, I don't know if Brie was ever really a Christian in the first place. I feel like, you know, and, and so it's just now I kind of just laugh at it bitterly, I guess. I'm yeah. like, uh, yeah, like I, you know, I, I am here because I loved my community i loved my faith and like that's that's what even brought me to this sort of cynical mindset because i i loved those things so much and they weren't what i hoped they were and yeah um yeah and i also just feel less like i have to explain myself to people now i I, before it was very like you you have to give an answer and a reason for everything that you think and do and every decision you make. And now I'm like, I don't owe anybody that. Right. <laughs> so now it's like, yeah, it's okay. Like that you feel that way about me. Um, I don't like that is a completely misguided perception and I can't make you change it. So, um, yeah. And so I, there's been people that have slowly kind of creeped back into my life because I I was very aggressive at the beginning because it was almost like I needed to be like, I needed to just voice myself and get it out. I was exploding. I held it in for like seven years and I just needed to say it. And, um, and so I kind of, 
established it, let ripped off the band-aid, said like this is how I feel about these things. And now now I can breathe in that space and not feel so like I have to jump to to talk about everything that happens in the world, you know? Um and everybody knows where I stand and that's all I ever wanted because to me like authenticity matters so much. I don't know if it matters more than it should, but it matters like a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, no. I'm I mean, congrats and like I'm proud of you. I know I've I've like <laughs> been through I think a lot of what you're explaining and I think we went through it, it sounds mm-hmm. like a pretty like pretty close timelines and it's hard yeah. and it feels very isolating and it's really scary and you're taught for a really long time um and you know it it can be hard it can be really hard um mm-hmm. but thank you for sharing your perspective and being vulnerable again and I know that that is can be tough too but I commend you for kind of diving into that and owning that. And I think that a -hmm. lot of people probably relate to the feeling of fear from being vulnerable and what backlash they get and what, what they might lose. And I think that to be totally honest, Mm -hmm. like what you lose, it's, it's worth it. And being able to just not have to like constantly censor yourself and like live a double Mm -hmm. life and have all these things that you're, you're trying to like only like say certain things, to some people and certain things, other people, um, I think exactly. the, the freedom that comes with it is a lot is, is like worth it at the end of the mm-hmm. end of the day. Um, but thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Um, I want to give you a chance yeah. to plug anything you have to plug so people can find your music and your, your TikTok and all that good stuff. Yeah. I'm Brie Gonzalez on streaming platforms and I am Brie Gonzalez at Brie Gonzalez music on TikTok at Brie Gonzalez on Instagram. And that's mostly where I, operate on the internet um yeah and i have music out so go stream it and i'm hoping i can release more music this year i have a lot of i have i mean you know i have so many songs (laughs) i need to like get them out so that's coming perfect well i will link all of that in the bios people can find you or i'm sorry in the episode notes so people can find you um and check out check out breeze music it's great i i love it i listen to it um, I love all your TikToks because I, I love being able to hear little short blurbs of things that are in people's heads. And the way that you find inspiration for a lot of your songs is very unique, I think, too. Um, but thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your experiences. I, I really appreciate it. And I think that people will definitely relate to you for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's all the time we have for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us five stars on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also follow the blog on at, or I'm sorry, on Instagram at Serafina Blog and visit us online at serafinablog.com. And as always, to end our time, unclench your jaw, take a deep breath, and remember, you can always learn, you can always grow, and you can always choose to live your life in a more mindful way. I will chat with you guys next week.